Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. If y'all are able to find your seats, please, and get comfortable. Hope you've gotten something warm and yummy to eat this morning for breakfast. Um, I want to just welcome you this morning to our December Nest event. Um, we are so happy to have you here. My name is Adrian McLean. I'm the campus director for the Nest, and um, we are just so thrilled to have you here. Um, we're continuing in our Committed to the Harvest theme um, for the Nest. Our purpose here is to nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train you as you raise the next um, generation of Christ followers and hope to just come alongside of you to help you nurture, encourage, strengthen, and train them. If you're our guest, we are thrilled that you are here today. Um, hope that you um, have been warmly welcomed. Um, and it is just it is just our prayer um, that hearts will be stirred this morning um, to know the Savior who has come who has come to us this season to save us. So um, we are just really excited to have you all here. Uh, I want to just give you a couple of quick announcements. We've got a couple of upcoming events. Um, in January, we will have um, another Nest event, second um, Friday of the month, January 12th. Um, Joy Blocker and Sandra Gauthier will be speaking to us, and registration for that will actually open on December 18th. So before Christmas even comes, you can register again for another Nest event. And I just want to note that um, registration for each event closes the Tuesday prior to that event. So be sure you register online, help spread the news with friends and um, other people that you might be inviting, that that registration closes then. And it's so helpful if you're able to go ahead and pay online um, so that you have a smoother experience coming in. So we appreciate that. Also wanted to just mention that in February, um, save that date. We're going to be having a play date of sorts. The plans for that are still in the works, so we'll give you more information um, when you come in January. So excited about that. Um, finally, if you are interested in serving through hospitality or front lines, um, just make a note of that on your sign-in sheet. Put a little star and write hospitality, and we'll be sure to contact you. Um, just FYI, you get to register early for yourself and for your kiddos with Training Ground um, if you do hospitality or front lines. So um, sometimes our Training Ground can fill up really quickly. So um, that's that's all with that. Um, now I just I just wanted to share a little something with you guys about Christmas. Um, before, uh, or after I had my oldest daughter, Carly, I, I actually went back to work um, that for one, for one school year um, and kind of stuck it out through, through that one. And I had a really incredible principal um, who was a great mentor and, and friend to me. And um, she, she gave me a Christmas card that um, I've just always remembered. In that Christmas card, it said, This Christmas, now that you have a child of your own, may you see the great sacrifice God has made for us and the love he has for us. Um, and that just really always stuck with me because as a mom, I feel like we can relate to what it's like to love a child with an incredible, indescribable love. Um, and that child hasn't done anything for us, but we, but we love them. Um, and so I think that we can relate to that in, in knowing that we have a Heavenly Father that's perfect, and He loves you and He loves me in that very same way. And as imperfect human beings, we know what that kind of love is. That baby hasn't done anything for us, but we love, but we love them. And, and God has that same love for you. And, and it's just our prayer that you um, would, would know that He has that love for you, and there's nothing that you've done to earn it. Um, and nothing you can do to lose it. Um, he just invites you to know him. So um, with that, I want to um, let you know we have an incredible panel of speakers that are going to come up here in just a minute. Um, 
and it's just been a pure joy getting to um, work with them as we prepared for this event. And I'm just going to tell you guys, you're going to hear a lot of incredible stories about the Christmas traditions um, and fun things that they do with their children. I know you're going to be encouraged by it. Please don't be discouraged by all the things they do. Um, they have had children for a little bit longer than most of us in this room and had a little bit more time to figure that out. And they are going to just gracefully and beautifully explain that to you. So um, they are very wise. We're so thankful to have them. So um, Kelly Furman is going to be um, leading their discussion. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Kelly and then let her introduce these wonderful women. If y'all go ahead and come on up. Yeah, y'all can give them a hand for sure. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. All right, you guys, well, I'm really excited to get the panel going. You guys are going to be blessed by your time this morning. I'm going to let these ladies tell you a little bit about themselves, um, their family, and how long they've been a part of Watermark. Hi, I'm Krista Sanders. My husband's Jeff. Julia and Brighton, 14 and 16, and I have been a Watermark from the beginning. Uh, Antoinette Davis, my husband is Barry, been married 33 years, I guess. We have daughters that are 25 and 24, and I'm from Watermark, Dallas, and we were here when Fort Worth started, but we've been a part of Watermark, I think, for 15 or 16 years. Good morning. I'm Tricia Gossett, and I have three grown children, Clark, Abby, and Jordan, and I have four grandbabies. And Byron is my husband. We've been married 42 years, and we've been at Watermark since the beginning. So, Awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and kick off with a fun question, and Krista's going to tell us about her most humorous Christmas fail. I will get the honor of doing that, of course. <laughs> you know. So we decorate the weekend after Thanksgiving, and it's kind of the last thing we do is the tree. And so it was probably Saturday evening, and, um, you know, have the candy out and the hot chocolate and we either either had it's a wonderful live playing or music you know just a fun try to make it fun kids such a big deal to the kids to put up the tree and so the kids had put their new ornaments on and we'd hung everything and they're probably like four and six big deal to put the tree up and so you know Jeff gets the star on he's coming I go to the kitchen the kids are kind of like yippy excited looking at the tree and He's coming down the stairs after putting the box in the attic, and I hear this horrible sound. And I turn around, and everybody's like, mannequin, stock still. The tree is on the ground, like, whoo, you know, face down <laughs> on the thing. So everybody was fine until I started talking. And I have to say, I responded much better at this than I did when the squirrel got into the house and I risked life, limb, and dignity protecting our tree. But anyway, I handled this one much better. And as soon as my soothing words as a mom came out, the kids just started bawling, you know. And Brighton was like, our Christmas tree is dead. And Julia was like, they're all broken. And so anyway, Jeff was the hero that year and was able to kind of pull this tree slowly up and we were able to grab the ornaments that had not broken. And um, save a lot of the ornaments, but that will be one that they don't forget. I love it. I love the picture for proof. 
it was top heavy and we had accumulated a second tree from something we'd done and he picked the wrong stand. He put the tree in the wrong stand. Okay, we're gonna move on to some traditions and I wanna hear from all three of you ladies um, what your most cherished tradition is that you started with your children. You can start? Yeah, We have usually <laughs> celebrate a very traditional Christmas. So we have a candlelight dinner on, um, I mean a candlelight service usually on Christmas Eve and then we have our tree on Christmas morning. So um, that is just kind of standard for us. That's the way I grew up. Uh, we have a funny little tradition on uh, Christmas breakfast. I don't know why my kids like to do this, but I have an old um, electric crepe pan. I don't know if you've ever even seen one, but you make the batter and you put it in a pie pan and you just dip the pan in there and you wait for it to kind of cook. My kids love to do that on Christmas morning and it is the biggest mess. You've got <laughs> melted butter and cinnamon sugar everywhere, but they, they still love to make crepes. And one of the traditions we started as my children got older <clears throat> is we would take some of our Christmas budget and give the children each some money and ask them to give it away and to kind of um, do that little homework on their own and then come back on Christmas morning and tell us who they gave it to. Well, there's quite an age difference between my older two and my younger, my, my younger boy. And uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a, a, an accident that happened. But uh, the first Christmas we did that, uh, he came Christmas morning to give his report that he had given his money to buy pizza for the basketball team. So, <laughs> so we were going, okay, Byron, we didn't quite explain this love offering uh, as well as we should have. But those are some of the traditions that we enjoy. Um, our family, a couple things that my girls thought of um, when I was thinking about how I would answer this question. One is we do a family baking day um, and all of the girls and children in our family get together. Um, my sister, her kids, um, the girls bring friends and we bake for two days, decorate cookies, and then we divide all those things up and we go hand deliver those gifts to neighbors, even neighbors we don't know. Um, friends, but it is, it's about um, the joy of baking and doing that together, but then also everyone getting to give, um, and so those are our gifts. We, we just make them all, and it's kind of whatever we end up with. We divvy them onto cookie plates and take those. Um, another thing that we love to do is um, Christmas lights, so when we kind of do our calendar setting, we set a time to go at Christmas lights and we do the hot chocolate and um, Christmas lights are about Jesus being the light of the world and don't miss that with your children when you're out looking at them that's where they traditionally come from is in Europe when people started using Christmas trees as life and newness of life that Jesus brings they put candles on them uh, Jesus is the light of the world and so as we're out and um, seeing Christmas lights we're just talking about God brings light into a dark world, and that is the meaning of Christmas, and so that's one of our favorite things, too. We also do gingerbread houses, um, which over the years have just been fun. To, if you look at our pictures of gingerbread houses from when my girls were one and two and three and um, where they are today, um, mine still looks pretty much how it did 30 years ago or 20 years ago, but... Um, we also tie that to scripture. Um, you know, Jesus said, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. 
you're going to be at my table. I've got a home for you. And so in a little person's mind, that gingerbread house is the most beautiful thing with candy on it they could ever imagine. That's what their house in heaven looks like to a three-year-old or a four-year-old. And so um, we just, when we do that, it's about preparing a place for us and, and bringing Jesus into that fun tradition. Um, so just with everything we choose to do in Christmas, I am looking for how it ties to scripture and how I can use scripture with little people. And even with my 20-year-old um, daughters, we still talk about that, that that's the purpose, and so we're bringing that light into the event. Um, we have lots of things that we do too, but mm -hmm. I have found what I have to focus on is just the spirit and the atmosphere of our home, because if we do a lot of fun things, and I know these women would agree, uh, we all speak on this foundation, but if the atmosphere and the spirit mm -hmm. of the home is not light and welcoming, engaging for your little ones, these special memories are going to fall flat. So I encourage you with that. Now, one tangible tradition that we do is similar with the gingerbread house. And when they were younger, I, we would do story time at Barnes & Noble. And I found this book, and it's called Mortimer's, Mortimer, Mortimer's Christmas Manger. And it is a precious story about the little mouse in the house that wants the nativity, the stable. <laughs> he wants that for his house. So just have Ephesians 3.20 handy when you read this story. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but um, it's a beautiful um, picture of him who's able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So uh, they will see the gingerbread house and the nativity in a whole new light. And Christmas morning, we absolutely, the pinnacle of Jesus' birthday and the uh, cake and the singing, all of that. Kids totally understand birthdays, and we celebrate his birthday every Christmas morning. Awesome. I love the focus you guys have on giving and then and the way you tie in cultural traditions with how it, how it reflects Jesus to your family. It's awesome. Um, Antoinette, I want to hear from you. What do you think your kids remember most about Christmas from their childhoods? Uh, you know, I think for all three of us, we would probably agree. It's about the things they did with family, the relational things. It's not about a gift or that our house looked the best or that we had the best Christmas lights. It's really about the relational things. I asked my girls, and um, some of it's stories that we read, and one of their favorites was The Velveteen Rabbit. Um, we read that every Christmas Eve, um, and if you've never read The Velveteen Rabbit, it's a sweet book about a, a stuffed rabbit that is so well-loved, he's kind of put up on the back shelf, um, but he wants to become alive, and the way to do that is through the love of the boy, and that's the way we become alive, is through the love of Christ, who gives us life even when we're broken and tattered and look terrible on the shelf, and so it's a very sweet story. Um, is that every year we, um, similar to your giving, um, because gifting is a big part of how we try to teach our girls about Christmas, um, I would give each of my children a new laundry basket, and their mission the week before Christmas was to fill that laundry basket with cherished things that they still enjoyed, but they wanted to give to other children who didn't have as much. It was also kind of a way for me to kind of clear things out before that Christmas stuff comes in, although we did try to manage that. But so they would fill their laundry basket with um, 
toys and things, and not the Barbies, who the, the dog had eaten the heads off of, not those Barbies, but, you know, things that still looked good and were nice, but that, that were, they wanted to give to someone else. And, and surprisingly, they remember that. They remember giving probably the most um, out of anything. Okay. Krista, were there any traditions or activities that weren't memorable or worthwhile that you recommend <laughs> skipping with your kids? Well, uh, you, probably. <laughs> uh, we're coming at this one from a little bit of a different angle. Um, you know, life just does not always look the same, and so neither is your Christmas going to always look the same. You've got remodels, you've got new babies, you've got moves, funerals. Who knows what's going on at Christmas? So. My friend TJ modeled this um, for me. She had lots, she had at least three, three fall babies, uh, winter fall babies. But she sat her family down, and I did this a couple years later when we moved at Christmas, um, and just said, what's most important to you? Like, what do you not want to miss what we do as a family this Christmas? And, you know, that was a great opportunity for her to simplify in the years to come because she then knew what really spoke to the kids and what was, what was important. The reason I can't answer your question is my son, if we do it one time, it's her tradition. So, we, you know, he's 14 now, and so I'm like, okay, we got four more years of this, of this particular thing. But we, we keep on going because of Brighton. Okay, this one, I want to camp out on this one a little bit and let you guys all expand on it. It's kind of two questions into one, but what were your favorite ways of teaching your kids the story of Christ's birth during their early years, and how did you keep the focus on Jesus in the middle of all the hustle and bustle? And I don't care what order, however, however you guys want to answer it. Okay. Well, an, another one of our traditions that we do in our family at Christmas <laughs> is that we, every year we do a pageant. And you have to understand that pageant is a big word for what we do, but we call it a pageant. And I did it with my children growing up, and uh, I'm doing it with my grandchildren. And we, we, just, we just all dress up like the nativity in, in the book of Luke, and we portray all of the characters in the Christmas story. And uh, when the children are tiny, this is what I'm doing with my grandchildren. Well, when I did it with my children, we did it kind of as an outreach, actually. We did friends and neighbors and had a lot of fun with that. And with my grandbabies, we started very early. And um, so before they can talk, we're all dressed up, and we've got the kings and the shepherds and everything, and they have instruments. And I had a friend build me a little manger. And so we sing, and they can sing Jesus Loves Me. And we've got on our bathrobes and, you know, whatever else on our heads. And... Um, it's just the most precious thing. And I start in October looking for music and planning our little pageant, which lasts about 10 or 15 minutes at the most. And uh, so that way, <clears throat> it helps me to start planning Christmas early, and it helps me to get my focus right. And then in my living room where the Christmas tree is, in the very center is this little manger. And it's just a visual that helps my family keep their focus where it needs to be on, on baby Jesus. And um, <clears throat> so the first year, that the babies are playing tambourines and shaking bells, and uh, 
and their little shakers. Last year, <laughs> we did the Friendly Beast, and you probably know that little story. But there's, I have four babies, and there were, in that story, there are four or five little animals in the manger. So each one of the children dressed up like one of the animals, and they each learned their little, their little verse to sing by themselves. I have a microphone and a little amp that my children used when they were teenagers, and so they love to sing a solo. And, <laughs> and so this year, you know, toddlers love repetition, so this year I've, I've added two more songs. I give them the songs by the end of October so they can be listening and learning them, and then we'll do the, uh, the, the previous years, we'll add that to the new songs because they love and we do that little precious version of um, Happy Birthday Jesus. And uh, then we have a cake and candles too. So it's just a real sweet time. And my, my grown children love it. And uh, they, they're very good sports about putting their bathrobes on and, and entering in. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And it's a precious uh, tradition that uh, our family really loves. I love the combination of pageant and bathrobes. Yes. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. Thanks, Tricia. All right, Antoinette. Um, well, I'm going to just take a minute here and talk about the Santa question because I think some of you may have that question and um, might be wondering. Um, so I'll answer the Santa. My family did Santa, um, and um, Scripture doesn't promote or condone Santa, and I'll just be upfront and say that, and I will tell you that Todd and Alex have Santa in their house. Um, and they have their first grandbaby, and their grandbaby will be visited by Santa this year. Um, just, so I want to interrupt a little our bit. Our pastor. Yeah, Todd is our head pastor. Our at pastor. So sorry. Um, that's okay. And so, um, so I talked to to Alex um, because I didn't want to give Antoinette's opinion. I thought, okay, what does our church really say about that? And of course, what she would say is be free. Um, that there are you know guidelines in Scripture, but there are, there is no statement that thou shalt not practice Santa Claus. Um, so um, the way that we did Santa, though, and I think the way that our church would encourage you to do Santa is to talk about that Santa is a part of Christmas, but Santa is not Christmas. Christmas is not about your behavior. Christmas, um, Jesus came because of our behavior, because we needed a Savior, because we are sinners who fall short of the glory of God. And so um, St. Nicholas was really a person or search Amazon and find a good faith-based book on St. Nicholas. He was a man who came from a very wealthy family. When he got his inheritance, he spent that inheritance um, taking care of the poor through the, the act of gifts. And primarily, his heart was for children. He became a priest. He was martyred and killed because of his faith in Jesus. He is a great story for our children. Um, and so in our family and in our home, we learned about St. Nicholas. Um, it's kind of a secret thing that on Christmas morning we give secret gifts in the name of Santa Claus. And that's so that the gift is not about us, the giver. It's just about a generous heart and wanting to share in abundance. And so even when my girls were little, they bought Santa gifts, secret gifts for their daddy and would hide them under the tree. And, oh, Dad, what did Santa bring for you? Because it wasn't about the giver. It was about the gift. Um, now, I will tell you that that's something you've got to decide with your husband what's right. Go to Romans 14.5. It has to be right for you both for it to be right to do and talk about it and come to an agreement. 
And then I would say just it, it, share what you're doing with your family so they understand so that, like in our family, Santa was only something we did in our immediate family so that we could control the message. The grandparents were not allowed to do Santa. And so we shared why that was the case. Santa was just us so we could do that. Um, we also taught our girls that Santa is kind of a secret gift thing, so we don't spoil what other families are doing with Santa. Um, that's not our job. We let other families tell their kiddos what's right or what's wrong about Santa. And that's a great opportunity to teach your kids about legalism. And I know in your materials it talks about a book called The Accidental Pharisee. Um, and it's just, we've got to teach our children, um, am I not? I'm sorry. Um, we just have to teach our children that things, that what legalism is and what it isn't, and it is when we try to apply what we think is biblical truth that isn't really described in the Bible to other people. So it was a great way to teach our kids that's legalistic if you tell people you can't celebrate Santa or you have to. What we choose as a family, just great opportunity for discussion with your kiddos. The key with Santa is to not lie to your kiddos. That's where we get in trouble. And to not teach your kiddos that Santa is some um, behavioral police person. And, and that's where I would go with the elf on the shelf thing too, but I know I'm not really speaking on that. That Jesus does not give us the gift of eternal life because of our behavior. And so that's where Santa gets confusing sometimes for little kids who are like, oh, Jesus loves me, but how does Santa? So Santa is just this part of Christmas. He is not Christmas. And um, if you choose to celebrate him, just agree with your husband how you're going to do that and just make it fun and sweet and part of your little one's imaginations, just like Superman might be if you have a little boy or Batman or, um, you know, Elsa or whoever, if they love costumes and they love to dress up. But Put Santa in that same light with those things. Um, okay, so just the whole, again, we talk, we have to repeat ourselves as parents. And so this whole thing about Jesus and Christmas starts all year long. But then when you drag all this stuff out, you start talking to these little ones about, they get birthdays. I said that a minute. They get the excitement of birthdays. So you just, we are getting the stuff out to decorate the house for Jesus's birthday. It's the most important birthday all year. So, and be sure when you're pulling those things out, that there are many, many reminders of who we're celebrating. Look around your house, even now, and what speaks to your kids about what you're celebrating. All this time you're spending on different things, who are we celebrating? So just be sure there's fun little reminders, things that they can hold and touch and have the nativities, that several nativities that they can play with and switch out the characters and um, do all that. The books that you choose to have in your home, there are so many amazing, amazing books that we have to read every year because my kids won't let me not read them, but... Um, so, in the music you play, all of that, it all speaks to what your heart is celebrating um, during Christmas. Um, and creating the anticipation for the biggest birthday of the year. You ha we have to do that. We're leading out in that, and so you're talking about it all the time. 
leading up to that amazing Christmas morning when we're celebrating Jesus. So build that anticipation and talk about the story. And that is, our nativity is the last thing we put out. It's after everything else is done. We sit down in the quiet and we let them pull it out of the box. And as they get older, the questions about the characters have gotten different. It's been really interesting how these people, you know, felt. And But when they were little, we just tell the story as they as they pull it out. And whatever they pull out, we say, you tell. What it, who is this? And what part did this play in, in the nativity? Um, just pondering, oh, there's somewhere we talk, where Mary talks about she treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. We have to lead out in our kids uh, doing that. So, oh, yeah, you keep that. Great. Okay, th- we're going to kind of switch directions and talk about expectations because that's a, a big one. Um, we all come into Christmas having our own expectations. But what do you guys talk about with your husbands? What expectations do you discuss before Christmas? Okay, first of all, Byron's family did not celebrate Christmas the way my family did. So when we got married, I don't know if any of you all have faced that or not, but um, that was that was a big discussion that we had to have and continued to have for, for quite a while. Uh, and it wasn't that my family um, uh, overdid Christmas, but he came from a ranching family, and uh, they went to church just rarely, and uh, it wasn't the celebration that Chris is talking about for his family. And my family, it was. So we had to come together in that. And, um, and that, was, that was a hurdle for us. But uh, I've learned through the years, the most important thing that I can do is to talk to Byron before Christmas and really um, uh, tell him what my expectations are. And there again, when I, when I start planning the pageant in our little play in uh, October, then it forces me to, to be more of a planner than I'd natu- naturally be. So um, Byron does not want me to be um, uh, off the cuff. You know, he doesn't want me to come to him and say, I need this kind of budget. He wants to sit down with me and plan. That's just the way he is. So to honor him... Um, and that's the number one need of a man. You have to remember that. The number one need of your husband is honor. And so to honor him and his way of looking at Christmas, uh, the best thing I can do is talk to him and tell him what, what I'm thinking in my mind and, and kind of what my expectations are for Christmas. Thank you. And Trisha and Krista, I'm going to have you answer this one. When your kids were little, how did you determine a budget for spending? So what Trisha's talking about. And how did you determine how many gifts to give your kids or how many you were going to allow from others? Uh, Real quick, I do know that I can say, I know there's different ideas out there about gifts, and you have the three wise men gifts and different things. But we did the little mantra of, want, need, play with, read. So those four, my kids know that that's the categories to think in, and we go a little nutso on the stockings, you know, but the, those are, that was a good category for me to put things in. And so, so you did four gifts per child, just to clarify. Something you want, something you read. Need, play with, and read. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's really similar, um, similar to what we do f- with our grandbabies. When I was raising my children, we, we lived in Amarillo, and so we were driving distance to the mountains, and we all loved to ski, to snow ski. So that was usually our Christmas gift, 
and uh, I think uh, Antoinette mentioned just the relationships and the family memories were most important to us. So our big family gift was to go snow skiing, and then under the tree, Santa would just bring little little gifts for the tree. But for our babies, let's see what I have written here. We give each grandchild something they need, something to read, and a toy. That's kind of how we do that. We just and girls, I know that um, they didn't ask me to preach, but. Uh, <laughs> It is such a disservice to your children to overdo the gifts. I mean, you all are wise enough to know that. It's just, uh, it is the relationship part, like An Antoinette said, that are going to bring lasting, special memories of Christmas. So, and Antoinette and Krista, over the years, how have you lovingly set boundaries with extended family during the holiday season? Okay, well, I'll start with okay. that one. Um, so just so you know where I come, where I'm coming from, Barry's family is local. Uh, my parents were not um, here in Dallas, but I have a sister here who is not a believer. In fact, she's Jewish, um, and so that's kind of starting with um, my family unit. Um, so early on, Barry and I had a lot of conflict over, you know, where are we going, how are we going to do this, and. Um, Finally, through some wisdom and through community, um, we decided that we are always home Christmas morning. So we can travel during the holidays, we can travel before Christmas or after Christmas, but we wanted to be in our home um, for Christmas morning, for Jesus' birthday. And we felt that that was, we had to protect that morning to do it the way we felt honored the Lord and that we wanted to do as our family. So we um, communicated that to both families. Um, that was not very easy. Um, and so I would just remind you of a couple scriptures. Um, Genesis 2.24 is the leave and cleave, that it is about your husband and your immediate family first. That is your priority. And I am a mother, and I'm a mother-in-law, so I get that mommy-in-law really wants you there, and so does your mama. Um, but you have to lovingly tell us that your husband and your children are your first unit. Um, and that can be hard, but if you guys have unity, if you've talked together about that, it goes much better. And if you tell your own parent, mom, and he tells his mom, this is what we're doing and this is why, because Christmas is about Jesus and we love you and we want to see you, but we can do it before Christmas or after Christmas. Um, then, because that may seem harsh to you, we also open our home at noon on Christmas Day and say, if you don't have something to do or if you want to come, come be with us in our home. But Christmas morning is our protected happy birthday Jesus time. And then come share the day with us. And so that's how we set that boundary. Um, and just a couple reminders. Proverbs 30, 11 through 17 says that we're supposed to treat our parents with respect. It's about our attitude. Um, Mark 7, 10 through 12, and Ephesians 6 through 1, we're supposed to take care of them, we're supposed to respect them, but nothing in scripture tells us that we have to spend the holidays with all of our family, and so ladies, this is a tough one, but you and your husband have to decide what's the best thing for our family, and if it's to be with your family every year, you got to figure that out, but you, you just have to come to some consensus, and it's so freeing when you get there. And you've got it down. Invite them to come be with you, but don't feel like you've got to go all the time. That's really good. 
All right, Krista? Well, I'll piggyback on the travel thing. We, our families, both of our families are a thousand miles away, so we did have to figure this out. You know, we, we wanted to do Christmas. We wanted to um, have that special time with our kids. So our compromise was to just shut it down before Christmas and have our own Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Um, it might be the 22nd and 23rd or the 21st and 22nd. And you know what? They had no idea. The kids, when they were little, they had no idea. And now that they do know for several years, they love it because they get to do it twice. You know, we get to do a special Christmas Eve thing with my mentor in Georgia. And then Christmas morning is Christmas morning, you know, but we do all the same stuff on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We just do it early. And they think that's just awesome. Um, and just the last thing to add to the, the boundaries, read those scriptures, absolutely what Antoinette said about the honoring. And I just wanted to piggyback on that to say just uh, I, I lost my mom this summer. And so there's some things that just shift in your thinking and you're like, why did I ask her not to do that? Or why did I ask her to do that? Or wish I'd have done a few things differently. But we, if at all possible, let your parents have Christmas with your kids. It's such a short season. And there are boundaries we can draw, absolutely, just like Antoinette said, lovingly and gently. But let your parents have fun with your kids. It's just so short. So honor them. That way you can take care of the responsibility when you get home if you're having to, you know, switch out gifts or whatever, you know. Hide just, some in the closet. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Rotate. Rotate them in and out. But just let, let your parents have fun. Okay, Antoinette, what advice would you give moms of young children for managing the holiday season? Um, well, here's how um, Barry and I do it. In um, early December or mid-November, we sit down and we put the whole calendar out. Um, and I will tell you that my husband is very intentional, so this is a natural for his personality. I'm a little more flaky, woo, and I'd be making decisions all throughout December. Um, so this is not normal for me, but I've gotten used to it. And it really is great. But we make decisions on the schedule we're going to keep. So, for like example, for this weekend, I've got something at my house this afternoon. I have a party at our house Sunday evening, so we are not doing anything at all tomorrow. We've protected that day, so he and I have just some time during Christmas to do some things together. But the fact that we look at the calendar a whole month out and put everything from Christmas lights with our son and daughter and, and kids and um, when family's coming in, we just map it out. So when you look at it, you can say, oh my gosh, this week is crazy. Something needs to go because we don't have family dinner um, other than, you know, one time that week. But we put it all on the calendar and then we gently and lovingly decline things. Um, part of what we put on the calendar is we look at who we want to be intentional with. His mom is a widow. We spend tons of time with her during Christmas because it's a very hard time for her. So we are wrapping her up. And so we just say, okay, we got to invite her. She needs to know we got to take her to all these things with us. And so we plan that. And so we just look at who our touch points are going to be. When are we going to be with community? When are we going to be with our kids? When are we going to be with extended family? And we just map it out. Um, and set limits. And I would just remind you of John 7, 38, which says, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. And so my goal is that during the Christmas season, my stream just doesn't dry up. And it, 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 it 
will dry up if I overcommit, and it's just nutso at my house. And so I have learned um, to set time aside. Um, I go to Philippians 2.14, which says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And if I get overworked, I start to grumble. Wrapping a Christmas gift is not a joy. It's not a blessing. It's not out of a heart of abundance. It's just a drudgery when it's at 2 in the morning. So I've got to save time. And... Um, then also Philippians 16, um, I have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And so if Christmas is really about Jesus, it's not about wearing myself out. And it's not about what parties I'm going to and I got to get over my fear of missing out or whatever. But I need to end Christmas feeling renewed, rejoiceful, celebratory Christmas morning, not tired and so we plan and we set a lot of boundaries, but it, it protects our family and it sure protects our marriage and what could be a crazy season. That one speaks to me because I also have a really intentional husband that is blessed when we set things out in advance and I am not wired that way. So I am still, I'm still trying to learn that and get to a place where it, it, it does become a blessing because it's, it's hard when, you, when your personalities are different like that, but the intentionality obviously it, it blesses your entire family. Okay, well, we're going to move on to our final question. And Tricia and Chris, Crystal, I'll have you answer this one. What ways do you prepare your home to make it a warm and inviting place during the Christmas season? Tricia, you want to start? Okay. okay. Um, I love the message Bible. And in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, it says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And, wow, I need that during Christmas. And I've lived 66 Christmases, <laughs> and I'm still needing that passage of Scripture more than anything during the Christmas holidays. Um, as women, a lot of times we compare, and a lot of times we um, are perfectionist. And so I would just encourage you when it comes to decorating your home and making it feel hospitable, um, there's a difference between hospitality and entertaining and uh, the like Krista was talking about the spirit in your home is so evident to the people who walk in so if you're tired and worn out go to the Lord and let him set those boundaries like Antoinette was saying and keep his spirit so alive in your home and that is um, that's what I'm focused on for sure because if I don't I'll get way off Wow. Well, goodness, just I have nothing new to share on this question because it's just all of this together, but just practically before um, the spiritual prep, um, just the, just the, again, the attitude, the atmosphere, your heart, um, what you're doing, and just as far as uh, 
a practical, the hospitality, just that your family feels welcome in your home, your kids and your husband, the music that you're playing, you know, music and, and beauty and um, even smells, this orange peel and cloves on the stove is magical at my house. Um, we think so at least. Just just little things like that that you can do. Again, the the tangible things that your kids can can um, touch and feel and hold and uh, read and just experience with you. Um, I got to tell you about the crazy Christmas uh, tree fail, but several years ago, my true fail was um, coming back from Georgia, unloading the car and coming home and seeing that tree and all the decorations and thinking, I've got to get all of this down. And I realized at that point that year, I had celebrated Christmas as if some as someone who didn't know Christ. I had celebrated as a pagan. I had done all the stuff. I had read all the stuff and done all the things with my kids. And I had executed a pretty good-looking Christmas. But I had not experienced it for myself. And I, that was a huge moment for me, coming home and realizing that and going, I'm... By God's grace, I'm not going to do that again. And I don't have a checklist for that. Um, it's our heart is making room and margin to prepare your own heart. Just all of these things we've all three of us have said speak to that. Um, but I won't, don't ever want to just execute Christmas. I want to experience for myself, and only I am in charge of that. Only I can do that. And I can't leave my kids to do that unless I'm doing that for myself. So... That's such a great way to wrap up. Um, combining, Trisha, what you and, and Krista both said, the comparison between entertaining and being hospitable and then the contrast of experiencing or um, executing. executing Christmas versus experiencing it. So that's a really great way to, to wrap things up. Um, let's go ahead and thank this panel for their time this morning and their wisdom. Thank you.